Welcome to Grace in the Shadows. This is Dr. Marla Beeler and Dr. J. Dr. Jonathan Beeler. Well, hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. The sun is shining today. It is still very, hot. very hot weather, hot weather, hot weather. We are very doing sh- Yes, yes. We're doing a quick shout out to Newport News, Virginia. All Yay. right. Thank you so much for listening. Got some new listeners from there. We appreciate it. Please make sure you share and that you download and you tell everybody about Grace in the Shadows. You can check us out at graceintheshadowsor.org. You can text or call 251-244-4645, or you can email us at drjonathan at graceintheshadowsor.org. There's a link in our show notes for our Etsy store, shadowsofgrace.etsy.com. Pick you up a coffee mug. Yes, Yes. advertise for us. There's also a link in the show notes if you would like to become a monthly supporter. So, what kind of facts do you have for us today, Dr. J? Well, Canadians say sorry so much that a law was passed in 2009 declaring that an apology can't be used as evidence of admission to guilt. <laughs> sorry. sorry. I, you know, I sorry. am one of those people that say sorry way too much, and I know it gets on your nerves, and I try... Pleaser. Yeah, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to be better. I'm so sorry. (laughs) All right. What other facts you got? (laughs) One habit of intelligent humans is being easily annoyed by people around them, but saying nothing in order to avoid a meaningless argument. (laughs) That's pretty meaningless. That is crazy. Okay. Anything else? Uh, A polar bear and a grizzly bear mate. Their offspring is called a what? Uh, No clue. A pizzy bear. Okay. Pizzy bear. That's that's a fact, Jack. Is that, I mean, has that really happened? I'm sure. There's grizzlies okay. and polars in Alaska. In that well, area, that is it. true. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So how are you doing, Miss Marla? Dr. Um, M. I have had some challenges lately, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I've had some back problems. I'm getting old, getting old. So, yeah. and But we are thankful. Our daughter was in a car accident last week. Thank God he protected her. So we've had some uh, craziness. We know we got a phone call at 530 in the morning that she had been in an accident. And, and it was pretty, it's pretty bad when your child is in an accident. It's pretty bad as well when your child is like 500 miles away from you. And you yeah. can't get to them. But God has has shown his mercy to our family and she is doing well. You know, her car was totaled. She's a bit banged up, but she still is alive and kicking. I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for that. How about you? How are you? It's been a busy week. It's been very yeah. hot, and very humid. Uh, right. But but it's it's been it's been quite a, a busy, good week. Uh, busy is not always bad. But, you know, it has True. been kind of a um, out-of-sorts week yeah. because, you know, our daughter's car wreck. Uh, yeah. And it was very much miraculous, very much a God thing, showing his providence yes. and sovereignty and protection. And, well, uh, you, yeah. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's hard when, you're, when, you, when you let your kids grow up. When you let your yeah. kids grow up. <laughs> That's a right. hard thing. Because you're yeah. no longer really responsible for them, right? And you you kind of have to break that um, 
you know, that, that pattern that you've been doing mm-hmm. for 18 plus years. Right. And so, right. yeah, it's kind of hard. It is. Um, and she's, I mean, she's amazing. We have two amazing, amazing kids and a wonderful son-in-law. Um, and she works at night and uh, for now. And she she's a doula. And so she was coming home and they were having torrential rain. And the person in front of her stopped, slammed on brakes. She slammed on brakes. And a guy behind her was changing lanes, didn't see her slam on brake. Hit her in the back. She flew two, across two lanes of traffic. Thankfully, there were no cars coming. Hit the median, and then her car ended up going the opposite direction. So, uh, God really, really intervened yeah. and, and put his angels around her. So, very, um, good. very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very thankful. Well, we're going to talk about roles in dysfunctional families. Okay. And we're going to kind of relate those to biblical characters. Perfect. Sound pretty cool, huh? Yes. Very good. So within dysfunctional families, uh, roles emerge. And uh, mm-hmm. because we're dysfunctional, we come from the Garden of Eden through our parents. You know, everyone's related. We all go back to Adam and Eve. Even science realizes that now. We go back to two people. And so that's why racism is so, it's so stupid. Because we're all related. Mm -hmm. And we go back to Adam and Eve. And uh, that's where we come up with dysfunctional families because we inherit a sin nature. And we do inherit and take on patterns of our great grandparents, our grandparents, our parents. And we kind of create our own. And we go in and we spread those to our children and our children's children. Yeah, true. And so it's a very interesting dynamic to look at roles. It is. It is. Well, the first role is the enabler. Okay. The enabler often tries to cover up, make excuses for the dysfunctional family member. They Uh may minimize problems, protect family reputation, enable addiction or destructive behavior if it provides support or rather than provide support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the enabler it's exactly what it sounds like. They enable the person to have um, maladaptive behavior. Hmm. Big word, maladaptive. I like that word. Yeah, maladaptive. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in in the Spanish language, bad means mal. Oh, and I didn't so, know. That. Maladaptive. All languages kind of come from a couple different major languages from the past. Yeah. True. True. So Eli is an example. From the Bible, Eli oh, okay. and his kids. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. He was Eli was the one that was the high priest in the temple when Samuel um, was given to the ministry. Correct. And uh, God spoke to Samuel, and Samuel. That was that wonderful story where God spoke to Samuel during the night. And he ran to Eli and told him that, you know, oh, I, I, you called me. I'm here. And then finally, Eli realized that it was God that was talking to Samuel. Um, and Samuel was such a great mentor to Samuel. I mean, Eli was an amazing mentor to him. But he wasn't such a good father, unfortunately, because his children turned out kind of bad, didn't they? They did. As a matter of fact, it says Eli being the high priest, he did a great job with mm-hmm. with Samuel. Yeah. He did a horrific job with his own kids. 
Right. You know, he was probably blessing everyone else, but mm-hmm. when he looked in his own family, he just made excuses and empowered their behavior. Yeah. Enabled Very unfortunate. Yeah. So Eli, the high priest, judge in Israel, as you mentioned, his sons, Hophni, Phinehas, will corrupt, engage in more activities as priests. They were sleeping with the uh, uh, the women that would stand at the door. Mm. These are the people that would go, and they were supposed to be virgin, door of the, t- right. the tabernacle. And they were sleeping. They were doing things against the law of God. And he was making excuses for them. And also, I think Eli's enabling behavior, actually, with his kids, corrupted the country itself. True. But when we and look which is at, awful. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just awful to think that he could be such a huge influence on the life of Samuel and drop the ball with his own kids. And I imagine they probably were pretty jealous of him, of Samuel. And that may be some of the reasons why their behaviors became like they were. I think so. And, you know, Samuel's kids did not turn out very good either. They turned out like the same, the same. Uh, I forgot about that. And which yeah. is so unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, D.L. Moody was? Mm hmm. No, not D.L. Moody, but uh, uh, Sunday. Uh, oh, Billy Sunday. Sunday. Billy Sunday was a baseball player. Got yes. Radically saved, professional ball player. He got radically mm-hmm. saved. And, you know, he did a lot. He was like the Billy Graham of that era. He was. He was. And when he died, his children, his boys, peed on his grave. Goodness gracious. And so I think our biggest mission field is mm-hmm. our families, is our kids. If we miss mm-hmm. that, we've missed everything. Well, I, I always respected the fact that when you were in the ministry, that you, God first, I mean, you're still in the ministry now, but as a pastor, you put God first and then you put your family second. And then the church came after that. And there were times where, you know, the church didn't really necessarily like that. But I always respected that about you because you put us first. We knew that we were important to you. And and I think that is a testament to why our kids have turned out as wonderful as they are. Yes. Yes. I think so. We look at this, the enabler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Isaac and Rebecca are another example. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the twin sons of Esau and Jacob, they yeah. had a tumultuous relationship. They did. They uh, they both, the mom and pop, had favorites, and the kids knew it. And that's that's not good to do at all. Rebecca favored Jacob, and Isaac uh, uh, favored Esau because mm-hmm. he was a hunter. He was a man's man. Jacob was kind <laughs> of feminine. Yeah. Uh, and as a result of the scheming, Rebecca even encouraged Isaac uh, or, or Jacob to, to right. deceive his dad. So bad. I think that Jacob was actually, or Isaac was actually encouraging Esau. I think so. And here God, I mean, God does choose sides. He says, while they were in the womb, mm-hmm. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. I don't want to get into that, but, uh, but <laughs> my point is subject. this. My point is this: that we can really have an impact, positive or negative, on our kids. We really can, definitely. Um, so those are examples of enablers. Hmm. The next one, scapegoat. What do you think uh, a scapegoat is? 
Dr. Um, where you have blame somebody else for doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you look back to the Old Testament times, uh, the scapegoat comes from that, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, they uh, Before Jesus came to take our sins on the cross, uh, once a year they would come and, and bring sacrifices atoning for their sins, and they would take one lamb or one uh, without blemish and sacrifice them, and they would take another and they would put the sins of the people, I mean, they couldn't actually put them on there, but symbolically would put this, the sins of the people on it and they would put it push it out into the wilderness and it became the scapegoat it became the one that took upon all the sins of the people well and they slayed one too uh, right and then the other they released is taking the sins away what does that point to uh points to jesus yeah jesus taking dying and taking sin yes when he yeah, did they- not serve to i mean because he had not sinned um, right. but he took our sin like that goat that got sent out into the wilderness it had not done anything wrong but That's it was right. symbolic. So basically, the scapegoat bears the brunt of dysfunction and the mm-hmm. actions of their family. Right. I think one that pops out here is Joseph yes. in the Old Testament. Old Definitely. Testament. Um, here you have a young boy. He's kind of bratty at the beginning. You kind of <laughs> see why his brothers, his brothers were kind of uh, irritated, to say the least. Well, yeah, he uh, always <laughs> he had the dreams where <laughs> they were bowing down to him and he'd run out and tell them all about it. And they're like, what on earth? I did not like that at all. Well, yeah. And and so one day his dad says, I want you to go out and make sure your brothers are doing their job. And right that that in itself <laughs> would create wrath and right. jealousy and envy. Yeah. He goes out there, and there's a man out there in the desert that points him where his brothers are. And I wouldn't be surprised when we get to heaven that it was a pre-incarnate Christ. Really saying, point, yeah. Pointing him to where his brothers are. So as he goes, his, his brothers, they take his clothes, they throw him in a dried up well. And then they sell him as a slave to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years go by, and he, even on a... And he is taking charge of the palace. And Ponifer, who was the governor of that area, um, he could have everything but his wife. Yeah. And his wife decides she likes old Joe. He, mm-hmm. looks, he wants to sleep with him, and he flees. Yep. And then she falsely accuses him. He gets put into prison for all the royal prisoners. Interprets dreams. He has, you know, God's blessing, but at the same time, he's feeling abandoned. Yeah. People forget about him. Think he's gone. Had to feel a lot of emotions. At uh, what do you think kind of emotions he was feeling? Oh, I mean, all the feelings. I mean, he had been pushed to the side. He'd been accused. Um, he felt abandoned. Um, unloved. I mean, you name it, he felt it. During this time, God is preparing him. Many years, he was separated from his family. God was preparing him for just a time now. And Pharaoh has a dream. He interprets the dream. Immediately, he is made the second most powerful person. Yeah. Amazing. And he, 
And the long story short, he ends up saving his family, saving the Egyptian, saving the world, if you look at it, that he saved Judah. And we know Jesus mm-hmm. came from Judah. And if he didn't yes. save Judah and his family would have died, then the Savior could not have come and we would all right. be doomed. That's a scapegoat. Scapegoats are usually honest. They're usually very forthright. They say what the elephant in the room doesn't want anyone to know about. <laughs> true. Very true. They are the missionaries. They are the really explorers. Right. They're not afraid to leave. They're not afraid to leave. The ultimate example is Jesus himself. Jesus took the sins of the world. Yes, he did. All those who will ever believe, Jesus atoned for their sins. Yeah. What's a hero or achiever? A hero, I guess a better a better name for this would be the gold in the shadow. <laughs> what is yes, that? the one that does no wrong. Yeah. It's <laughs> like it says golden. Right. Um, Moses is regarded as one of the greatest leaders in the planet. Absolutely. I think he's a good example of this. He's yes. looked at as a golden child. Yes. Um, he led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, confronted Pharaoh, received the Ten Commandments from God, looked at him, in a sense, almost as a, a direct representation of God. Yeah. And they, sometimes I think they looked at him almost too high. I think so, too. I did. As a matter of fact, the Jews today even hold Moses up there. I think another golden child is David. David was a shepherd boy, became celebrated in the Bible, would be a loyal warrior under King Saul. He would be a victor. He was a man after God's own heart. Psalms, most of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. They, the thing we see with these, if the enabler can get lost in who he is. Yes. I think the um, scapegoat can be burden of shame and guilt and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the hero can lose his identity. Because once you're out in society, the world doesn't always work that way. They grow up trying to mirror that parent and look at them in that way. And the world itself doesn't look at us. They no. can lose their identity and who they are. Child, what's a lost child? Hmm. Ones that you know, sometimes they're just kind of pushed out. No one really pays attention to them. Or I think uh, you look at this. This is like the middle child. They don't mm-hmm. have as many pictures on their wall of them. Let's kind of forget who they are. Mm-hmm. Not intentionally, subconsciously. The mm-hmm. baby's got all these pictures because it's he, he or she is new. <laughs> Sport center of the universe. The middle child, you kind of get, you know, okay, this we're getting getting the hang of this. <laughs> and the baby, spoiled. Baby comes right. The older child comes to usually the golden child. Not always like this. The middle child mm-hmm. is lost. And I think with this one, Benjamin, Benjamin, the brother of Joseph, I got lost in the shuffle. Really yeah. did. I think this one here, the person, the middle child, can often feel a lot of low self-esteem. Self-confidence. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, because, you know, he and Joseph came from the same mother. Um, and I think a lot of times he probably felt like he could never live up to Joseph, even when Joseph, according to his father, was killed. You know, he felt like he could never be enough. 
And I think he felt that way in his brother's eyes as well. He could never be enough. And he was just kind of pushed out. The funny one. This is the comedian, mascot, jester, whatever you want to say. They use humor. They use joke to divert attention away from their problem. Um, but our comedians are all they hide behind comedy. Them experience Robin Williams, uh, <clears throat> you know, right. was, uh, Chris Farley, Chris Farley, um, Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah, these guys are funny guys, but they're also struggle has struggled with depression, drugs. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at this, uh, David. Kind of when he was came back and he was he was naked and he was leaping around twirling around and <laughs> uh, celebrating yep. in a jovial way. Right. Elijah's another one. Mm-hmm. He mocked the prophets of Baal. Maybe you're you're God. He's telling the to Baal. Maybe your God's using the restroom. Maybe he's taking a nap. <laughs> Maybe you need to yell a little. Like that we use humor a lot of time to cover up pain. Parentified child. Uh, this one is uh, this falls into this, don't you? Well, most definitely, most definitely, because yeah. um, even though her husband had died and her mother-in-law wanted her to go back and and you know not not to go not to leave with her, she stayed with her and and she treated her like she was her own mother. So and she cared for her. Um, and made sure that, you know, once she was married, that she cared for her the rest of her life. This one, what do you think problems can come out of that, being that child? Well, sometimes, you're, I mean, you're taking on roles that uh, are being maybe the authority of the parent or the parent figure. Um, and sometimes that can bring about uh, frustration uh, between the two, um, because you're taking on a role that you were really never meant to take on. Um, and I know a lot of us um, kind of have to deal with this as we, our parents get older and their mind starts to fail and things like that. Sometimes they realize that we're taking on that caretaker role and sometimes it brings frustration and, and anxiety and anger um, because they were meant to be the parent and it, it brings confusion and um, sadness as well, I think. I'm sure. Yeah. Last but not least, the manipulator. Oh. This one manipulates. This is probably the narcissist. Of the oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they're the guilt trippers, emotional blackmail, playing mm-hmm. games. Yeah, they're definitely the gaslighters. Yeah. The sneaky people. And I have examples here. Uh, is, you know, I'm going to just skip down to the one that really fits it. I have several, but because of time, I'm going to shoot down here to okay. little Jezebel. Oh. Does anyone ever name their, their <sighs> daughter Jezebel? I don't think they do. It's, a, it's actually sounds well, like Yeah, go ahead. I actually read an article a couple of weeks ago of, I can't, I think they're in Europe, uh, a couple that wanted to name their child Jezebel and like, the government or the leaders or whoever you had to, to do the birth certificate would not let them. Um, 
and a, oh, wow. and the couple, yeah, the couple fought it and they ended up naming the poor child Jezebel. But yeah, normally, but of course, in today's world, you're going to wow. find an example. But I mean, yeah, people do not normally want to name their child Jezebel because she was an awful person. Uh, the queen uh, mm-hmm. with uh, and yeah. she murdered and tricked uh, head Naboth, who mm-hmm. owned a vineyard that. Ahab wanted, she had him murdered, she manipulated people, she had people killed. I mean, this lady is the epitome of manipulation. Right. Yeah. And if you want to know more, go and read about her. Uh, I'm sure I'll do a character study eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It should be quite interesting. Definitely. I hope you get a lot out of this, but no matter mm-hmm. what you are, as far as what role you mm-hmm. are or were in your family, God take your mess. He can turn to a message for his glory for your good. Definitely. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Try to stay cool and fall will come sometime, right? (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.